welcome back to our podcast. We're recording this on the 2nd of June and as you all know, uh, June is Pride Month so we decided to record an episode about it. But first of all, I want to ask you guys, what did you learn this week? Uh, I feel like I'm usually the one who always has like a genuine like interesting fact when we are talking about what we learned each week. <laughs> no, but it's but it's true though. No, but the thing is, this week I have something that I learned that's very much from experience and um, that advice that I learned from it, it will be uh, always, whenever you're traveling to a different city or like a different country, observe how um, public transport works in that specific city. So for example, like in, we were in Marseille last week with Miriam and the subways, they have like these, you know, doors that let you in when you click the card and i think i kind of didn't really get the memo that the doors are always closing after each person when they click the card so when i went in it squeezed the hell out of me (laughs) i had a whole ass bruise on my back and there was a really surprised man that heard me (laughs) slightly scream so what i learned is always observe things around you before you use them what about you guys Okay, I think that I have learned this week to not have so much worried or get anxiety about the future, about my future projects and all of this. Obviously, the life is always very on, but it's not it's not so good to, to get so worried and get anxiety about the future. So my fact or like thing I learned is not really a fact. It's, I mean, since it's been a while since we recorded, it's been like Eurovision and all that. So I wanted to speak about my new obsession. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is the I'm winner of Eurovision. <laughs> I think they're called Maneskin. Is that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's love a them. Danish for moonlight. Oh, I didn't know that. So you're not a true fan. No, I'm just here for the music. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and the lead singer. But yeah. Since it's a Pride Month, I will admit that I'm crushing on the bassist which is a gorgeous woman okay mine is actually something that i heard from nagore a while ago but i thought of it and i thought it would be interesting to include and it's the way like south korean or korean age works so basically what they do is if you want to calculate your korean age they add a year to the current year like you have to add like one to the current year and then subtract that year of your birth and then you will get your korean age And it's usually like you can also do it more easily, like your current age plus one. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, for example, um, they add like the age goes up um, a year on New Year's Day. So um, if you're a baby born on the on December 31st, you turn two on the next day. Mm -hmm. So it's like really funny the way the age works. And I think to avoid like confusion, sometimes they usually address people with their birth year, like they talk a lot of like born in 95 more than like we do it. I thought mm-hmm. it was very interesting. So yeah, it's Pride Month. What is Pride Month? Okay, so if you would Google it, <laughs> the, uh, you know, the definition of Pride Month would technically be to commemorate the Stonewall riots, which occurred at the end of June of 1969 in New York City. Uh, now, what are the Stonewall Riots? So yeah, the Stonewall Riots were basically, at that time uh, of age, being part of the LGBTQ community was very much illegal. 
So there were kind of places for people of that community, mostly like bars and places like that, where they could be themselves. And one of those places was Stonewall Inn, which was a bar in New York City. And in June of that year, it was kind of raided by police. And it ended up in multiple weeks of riots and protests that kind of raised awareness of, about, you know, people of the LGBTQ community. And it kind of started off uh, the whole movement for fighting for the rights, which is, would be like the really the easiest way to put it. There is obviously so much behind the history and we could go into that, but that was a really short introduction. Yes. So basically people, and I think what's really, really important to mention there, predominantly people of color, uh, yeah. trans people were like the beginning of the movement. I think that's something that's often forgotten. Often we see like, like often white, mm-hmm. uh, gay, yeah. cis men are the face of the movement and we forget that this actually yeah. like builds on the work of all of these. Uh, I think like two, really mains that, two names that we can mention who were genuinely like the two main protagonists in that riot was Sylvia Rivera, who was a Latina, and Marsha P. Johnson, who was a black woman. So I think, you know, it's really important to remember the names because they were both very prominent figures. And I think like that's one thing a lot of people don't know where Pride Month comes from. Um, and it's just that this thing that companies use to make money and you see like the rainbow flag and you're like, okay, like let's celebrate like people like of the LGBTQ community, which is really important, but it's also like kind of a reminder of the history and the progress and the things that still need to be done. I think there's a lot of knowledge that is lacking and people yeah. just use it as... I think also like what I think is important to maybe, you know, learn from the history and oftentimes we can see it mostly like, you know, last year, a lot of Black Lives Matter protests and the response to those protests from like the right wing parties was mostly like, you know, riots aren't going to achieve anything. They are just ruining small businesses and stuff like that. You know, peaceful protests never really worked when it came to like big issues of smaller communities. And this is also a thing, like, there were activists before Stonewall. There is a first one that we can talk about, which was in the 19th century. Uh, it was uh, Karl Henrich Ulrich, who was a lawyer, and he was kind of the first out person who was fighting for the rights. And that was in the 19th century. And, you know, peacefully, it didn't really work. So Stonewall was where it really got, like, brutal. Because, for example, like, Sylvia was said to be, like, one of the first one who threw a brick. And obviously, you know, like, it's not, like, supporting violence or whatever, but sometimes, like, riots are the only thing that can really get people talking and get to change. So I think that's also something, like, we can learn from. Yeah, and I feel like the way the media and a lot of people glorify the peaceful protesting and the people not being aggressive and stuff, they have every right to be. And it's kind of this framing activism to have to be like um, as diplomatic as possible, like people being diplomatic on the oppressor side. So to kind of have these expectations for demonstrations and these people to remain calm when so many of the rights are being invaded, it's like I think it's really important to remember. Also, like peaceful protests are such a privilege that you know you cannot be a peaceful protester if you don't have the platform already, or you cannot go on a hunger strike if nobody really knows about you. Like 
these communities they were silenced they were hidden in the back and they you know couldn't peacefully beg for their rights to exist with other people like they had to fight for them and we need to remember that yeah definitely okay so and you know since we are talking about pride month and pride month is obviously about kind of fighting for the rights i think there is a lot of mostly cis straight people who are like yeah we don't need pride month anymore you guys have rights and like let's have straight pride as well then but the difference is if you look at like a worldwide numbers there really isn't any equality nothing close to it yet so for example like it's still illegal to be part of the lgbtq plus community in 70 countries 70 that's you know a crazy number and you could actually get like a death penalty in 12 and it's mostly middle east countries that have the death penalty and some of them don't really practice it that much but it's still a thing and the thing like when you, also when you think about it it's been just 30 years since homosexuality was actually declassified as a disease 30 years you know ago people still thought it was like a disease and so we still have a really long way to go and then like another thing is just 11 countries mention sexual orientation in their constitutions non-discrimination clause that's just six percent of the world where they actually have the thing that where they try to protect those people in their constitution so we still need pride man and we still need activists who fight for it i think there's always gonna be a need maybe for pride month because like there's so much history connected to it and history that shouldn't be forgotten so i feel like i don't know i'm just so tired of all of these people like for example white people about black history month straight ignorant people about pride month and like this like that I'm mad that there's a, a month dedicated to these people whilst like the whole fucking world, the way it's structured, is dedicated to white heterosexual people. So it's like, ugh, I don't know, I'm just yeah. so tired of these people. I don't even know what to say to them anymore. We could also like, you know, when it comes to rights, we could also like same-sex marriage, which is, do you know in how many countries it is actually like a thing? Let me guess. <laughs> yeah, you know, just like throw out your guesses. It's in you can all twenty-seven. Eleven. Mm, Seventeen. And the right answer is twenty-nine countries. Hey, yo! So Maria was the closest, and I think you're gonna know the answer to this one. So I'm just gonna say it right away because I said it in. But the first country who actually legalized same-sex marriage was Netherlands. And it was in 2001. Same-sex adoption is legal just in 44 countries. So we still have a long way to go. I'm actually surprised that there are more countries where same-sex uh, adoption is legal than marriage. I don't know why. Yeah. Because people often are more opposed to the thought of gay couple. Yeah, I think it's maybe... Yeah, it, it, I was also kind of surprised. But then again, there's like, I think, like a raising number of countries, mostly in Europe, who have uh, not marriage but they have like partnership which allows mm -hmm. those people to adopt but it's also funny to me when in those countries because for example Czech Republic is one of those countries where you cannot uh, get married but you can have the partnership and there are like prides and people fighting to you know get the marriage as well people are like oh we already have partnership what more do you want and it's like 
I want just the same as you do, you know, it's not like I want to take anything away from you. I just want to also, you know, be able to get married. Like, why, why would you create another thing just for same-sex couples? Like, why, why make it complicated when it can be simple where just, you know, people can get married if they want to? Yeah. Oh, so I think it's time to define some terms. Um, yeah. I think we can like start off with the basics and I think that's just to like say kind of LGBTQ plus um, there are longer terms for it I think we'll take that one so guys what does the L stand for? Lesbian! <laughs> the G! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I love this like, like in kindergarten they should teach that they, oh, got, yeah, they, they should they actually should. teach it they're like L for like you know <laughs> <laughs> no. okay so well, um, the parents would love it the B stands for Natalie yes <laughs> the two wait was it fine oh no it's fine I want to you know I I'm like open about being bisexual except for my parents <laughs> but they don't, don't speak English and they don't even know this podcast exists so it's fine yes B stands for Natalie <laughs> and then we have um, T no, T first. Oh, right. T, T for transgender. Mm-hmm. And then we have the Q for Wait. queer. And queer basically is uh, an umbrella term, which kind of, you know, can sum up that you just belong into the spectrum because that's what sexuality is. It's very much a spectrum. Yeah, queer is basically... Basically all uh, sexual and gender identities that are not straight yeah. and cisgender. Um, and yeah, and I think like just to like give a bit of more of an overview, the plus like after the Q basically stands for like there are so many different identities and for example intersex, asexual. Yeah. That's uh, why sometimes you can be like LGBTQIA plus and then there's even a longer one that oh, I yeah. don't know now. <laughs> but like I found one like with the definitions that is L G B T T two Q Q I A A. Basically they split it up like that. <laughs> which is like great, but I, I think L G B T Q Q plus is the easiest to remember. Yeah, like as long as you acknowledge also the other big numbers of sexualities out there then you can use the shorter term and it's gonna be fine like nobody's gonna come for you (laughs) i guess but i think like we mentioned like intersex and asexual and i think we can define that so uh, asexual is basically uh, an opposed to allosexual where um, asexual are people who who feel or who can feel like a romantic way towards a person but not necessarily a sexual attraction to them and allosexual is the opposite where you know people can feel or like where people feel the sexual attraction as well Mm -hmm. i think that's the easiest way to put it and then intersex is i think very interesting and for some people might be really confusing but i actually um you know like when we prepare for these episodes you want to be really you know, politically correct. So I found quite a longer definition because, you know, I didn't want to say anything wrong. So there are many different ways someone can be intersex. Some intersex people have genitals or internal sex organs that fall outside the male or female categories, uh, such as person with both ovarian and testicular tissues. Other intersex people have combinations of chromosomes. It's kind of a mixture 
of you know when you are born and what I actually learned and I was really disturbed by that is um, actually like one or two in hundred people who are born are intersex so you know it's it's just like you know if it's two in hundred people it's quite a high number and I learned that actually and I don't think people talk about it that much those babies that are born usually are uh, submitted to surgeries right away mm. to kind of um, fit into one of the genders which I find really wrong I think what, when it comes to intersex like I heard a story like recently is the problem is also that some sometimes it's not like seen or they don't get like they're not told about it mm-hmm. because often it's like an internal thing because sometimes people realize like there's some, with my hormones there's something different than than it would be if I would fully confirm to that uh, uh, biological gender and stuff but they often don't seek uh, medical advice or like healthcare because there's so much um, shame connected to you not fitting into like one of the, the genders that often yeah. these people like go without knowing for such a long time and I think that kind of like just quickly like ties into the whole like thing with lgbtq plus um community um not seeking out healthcare as much because they're faced with so much yeah. um that too but it just kind of really you know um when i learned the fact that the the surgeries are performed more often that people realize it's you know it's really disturbing because those people were born in this body that's you know unique and you know you kind of decide for them with stereotype they should fit and i think that's where like a lot of the confusion then comes when you're you know older you might not even know that you underwent that surgery and that's where you might start questioning a lot of things about yourself because you don't feel yourself which you shouldn't because it's not really you because you know you were operated as a baby and it's it's really disturbing that people are so insecure about the differences that they uh, operate on young babies to mm. let them fit a stereotypical gender norm. If we move on to some more terms to uh, maybe specify when we're talking about, you know, bisexual, there's like another thing which is pansexual, and I kind of wanted to talk about that. If you guys know the difference there, is it that you're not just attracted to the two genders? It could be very much put that way. Okay. I. That's kind of where, you know, the B for Natalie comes in, <laughs> because uh, I kind of, when you look more at the definitions, I would uh, call myself more as a pansexual, but because of the confusions that are oftentimes in the society, I always find it easier to just go by bisexual. But to define it. Pansexual is a term that describes an individual who can experience sexual, romantic, or emotional attraction to any person, regardless of that person's gender, sex, or sexuality. So it's very much, you know, you're really free to love literally anybody, despite how they identify or who they love or how, you know, how they live their life. But bisexual is a sexual orientation that describes those who experience sexual, romantic, or emotional attraction to people or more of more than one gender mm. so basically I feel like a lot of people oftentimes go just by bisexual because it's easier 
to understand. I think what we can like bring up is the conversion therapy, mm. which uh, for those who don't know what conversion therapy is, it has nothing to do with therapy. It mostly, you know, leads to more therapy in the future. <laughs> but you know, it's basically places where people try to turn people of the LGBTQ plus community into being straight and cis and just not who they were supposed to be. And they are terrible places that use terrible techniques and it's just all really wrong. But again, I, I love to have some numbers. So this is gonna go kind of the other way around. But do you know in how many countries it is actually illegal to practice conversion therapy? Again, shoot your numbers. Which is kind of sad because like I had to like switch up from, you know, in how many countries it is legal. Um, I'd say 42. 50? 36. Well, this is gonna be really disappointing, but it's illegal only in four countries in the whole freaking world. And those countries are Ecuador, Brazil, Malta and Germany. And the UK is fighting for it quite recently, but it's right now just in the chambers. But yeah, just four countries in the whole entire world said that it's illegal for those places to exist and that genuinely disgusts me but even in those places it's still kind of you know it still happens sometimes and it's mostly because of like those religious groups that just kind of label it differently I think like those people are not fine mm. they have suppressed trauma which you know one day is gonna backfire so badly and also like now that we are called talking about the conversion therapy my love language is you know sharing my favorite movies as you guys you know already know even though i know you don't really watch them but i'm gonna now like recommend two movies that tackle conversion therapy really well and one of them is the miseducation of cameron post and you know it really shows how uh the conversion therapy does more bad that it does good you know, the people who, like, went through conversion therapy, they oftentimes, like, rely on self-harm and it's terrible. And this movie also tackles um, kind of how some native communities around the world, in this specific case, like, Native Americans, uh, they have, like, terms like two-spirit, which um, is kind of an umbrella term used for to describe like uh, native people in their communities who fulfill a traditional third gender and it is mentioned in the you know in the movie and i think it's you know uh, another look and to see that it's something that's really been around for so long and you know it's seen in different cultures differently but it tackles that and the other movie is boy erased and it also um talks about again conversion therapy so those are just like two movie recommendations that i think gonna watch to kind of understand a little bit better the trauma behind it yeah i think another thing that we can maybe mention that's uh that kind of shows um the hidden homophobia or i don't want to say homophobia i want to tackle that later but you know uh hatred towards the lgbtq plus community is the hiv crisis in the 80s which um i don't know if you guys know about but it was a really big thing and it essentially turned into kind of like gay play because essentially this disease is uh, really harmful but it kind of played into the cards to 
you know, those straight, really anti-LGBTQ people who, you know, when the plague hit, they were like, oh, this is God's way of saying that, like, being gay is a sin and whatever. And uh, the reason why it hit the uh, mostly male gay community so much was because the virus is best spread through anal sex which you know is often executed <laughs> by gay men so that's why it was widely spread is it is it because is it like because specifically anal sex or is no. it the unprotected well part? yeah it's always like unprotected but it's like it's the highest chance of getting the virus is through Practicing. So it's not like even if unprotected. No, no, no. If you are protected, then like. Yeah, yeah no, no. Like but even if you have unprotected sex in like all the ways, <laughs> it's still the most most likely to be through anal sex. Yes. Okay. The, and then the thing is like you know since it hits the gay community the most, it was severely overlooked for multiple years, and uh, you know this is something like. This, this is again connected to you know the healthcare of the minorities like if it wasn't spread the way it was the most like there would be a way to kind of stop the virus so much sooner but since it hit the community the most uh, so I think you know this is another way to look at how you know discriminated the community is and how you know unless we have the same advocacy for health, rights or you know it's still gonna be an issue because if it happened now it still would be overlooked and that's why we need you know pride month and that's why we need to fight for the rights of the lgbtq plus community still i think they kind of tackled that and also like shows a lot about ballroom culture and everything is a really good series called pose yes on netflix no. really really great it also plays a big part in the series and also i think it shows because how important people outside of marginalized communities like as support are and to like campaign for them and to demand visibility and demand yeah. for them to be heard and stuff because um, well these issues are not brought to light um, just by part of the community peacefully like asking to be heard again so like this was followed by so many riots because you know if they were peacefully asking for the parliament to do something about it. They, you know, kind of just didn't really give a crap. That's why, like, the riots happen, because people are mad that they are not receiving the same rights as the straight, cis, white people in this world. Um. Okay, so I have something to say. It's my favorite topic ever. <laughs> That is basically intersectionality because uh, the thesis of many people and mine too is that the liberation of the whole LGBTQ plus community cannot happen without an intersectional approach. So mm -hmm. what is intersectionality? I will tell you. It's a theory or it's, yeah, it's, it's basically an approach that was... Um, verbalized by Kimberly Crenshaw and it is intersectionality is a lens through which you can see where power comes and collides where it locks and intersects and it is the acknowledgement that everyone has their own unique experiences um, of discrimination and privilege it's basically a lens 
through which you can um, see certain issues. So um, I'm gonna put it in. So for example, like some of these categories are like race, like race plays like into it a lot, ethnicity, gender identity, class, language, religion, ability, sexuality, education, so mental health, all of these um, issues are so important to look at when you fight for liberation of these communities. And I brought some examples to maybe make it a bit easier to understand. So for example, new data shows that black LGBTQ people disproportionately, uh, disproportionately yeah, suffer um, adverse economic impact of COVID-19. So for example, like a fact is 31% of black LGBTQ respondents um, had their work hours reduced due to COVID and compared to 23 of black respondents and 28 of LGBTQ respondents. So you can see um, that like it like correlates because they are already more discriminated than the rest. But if you're like one, like if you're two of these categories, for example, um, like things are even worse for you. There are like a lot of numbers according, like regarding that. I don't know, get into it like anymore, but um, then there's another one and I think that's also especially interesting like for Natalie because it's about like LGBTQ plus women and um, they face more inappropriate comments and sexual harassment at work. So for example, if you look at the, at the numbers like who experienced uh, microaggressions, it was a study, straight men had the least amount, then the next one was LGBTQ plus men, um, straight women experienced less than LGBTQ plus men and then the most um, the group that faced the most uh, microaggressions were bisexual women actually also, like, in all of these categories just quickly like experienced any form of sexual harassment heard sexist comments or jokes about people of your gender had obscene or sexually explicit comments directed at you been pressured to play along or participate in sexual okay. discussions and all of these um, bisexual women were the most um, okay targeted. then I would agree that uh, because I actually also read once a statistic which says kind of uh, that bisexual men have it the worst but the way you said it then it agrees but I feel like uh, I wanted to raise the thing about bisexual men where mm -hmm. there is really big kind of um, both from the LGBTQ plus community and the straight community there's a really big kind of hatred towards bisexual men and even bisexual women in a way where the men kind of i think get it kind of worse i would say from my perspective and from some of the statistics i read but with the thing you said about uh you know bisexual women it's obviously like when i come out to like random people because i don't really have a problem with it i think i'm really open about it uh, with like you know, my group of friends or like people who know me, they, you know, it's a thing that goes with me and I'm real open about it. But, you know, when you kind of say it in like a group setting where there might be like, you know, people who are less um, understanding or usually it's like, you know, those annoying straight guys, it, the first comment, I think any bisexual girl, maybe even a guy, but mostly the girls will hear is like, oh, so do you want to have a threesome mm -hmm. with me? I knew that was Which, coming. Like... You know, the thing is, Obviously, I'm attracted to, you know, both guys, girls, days, whatever. So yes, I, you know, if I'm 
with people I like, I would absolutely have a threesome. But, you know, it's like those comments that are like, you know, literally the first thing you will hear if you're a bisexual man. Like, you can ask whoever and they will always tell you this is the first thing that's gonna come out. And then, like, for example, like, another thing is, and, you know, now I'm gonna be calling out my ex. (laughs) But when I kind of came out to him, like, his first response was like, but girls don't have a dick. And I'm like, it's really like the whole, you know, purpose of woman's life to be like running around your little stick. You know, it's <laughs> like, um, I also don't know. I think he haven't heard about the statistic that like women have higher chance of, you know, getting orgasm yeah. with another woman. But his first response was like, but, you know, they don't have a dick. And I was just like, oh, wow. Good, like, good point, Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> yeah, they don't. But, you know, for me, it's not really about that. But yeah, it's definitely like for bisexual people. I think uh, the thing is we um, battle with biphobia, but homophobia as well, because when you're bisexual, you're not often accepted by the LGBTQ plus community because they feel like you know you're kind of free passing in the straight world as well. And then straight people don't see you as straight, because obviously you're not. But it's oftentimes like, you know, you can sometimes get excluded. And I feel like that's sometimes where, you know, bi guys have it harder, I think. Because, you know, in a way it's like girls have it easier because they are sexualized by men again. So that's why they are mostly accepted by like, you know, maybe straight dudes. But bi guys have it harder to be accepted by the straight community, in a way. But then, like, it's still, there's sometimes this resentment from the LGBTQ plus community to accept bi people. And there is, like, a lot of stories that, thankfully, like, you know, never happened to me, but, uh, you know, gay bars and lesbian bars and stuff like that, sometimes, you know, there is, like, those slight aggressions towards like the bi community and sometimes like you have to kind of go along with playing that like you know you're gay or you're a lesbian to kind of be chill in that place because there is a certain biphobia but then also you know bi people face homophobia as well because if you are dating somebody of the same gender suddenly you know you're also getting that type of hate so it's a constant struggle but you know it's also worth it because you can like receive and give so much more love because you have more choices <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think one thing especially when you said about a uh, man who are bi is they um i think once uh, a man like that's what i've like heard a lot once a man expresses interest in another man mm-hmm. they can never like really have interest in a woman because there's like this as soon as you go away from this forced and straight like mm-hmm. i own like if you don't only like the female gender um, you are not you're not worthy like you're not yeah. you're not you cannot be straight and when people are like no like just say you're gay mm-hmm. I think it's like so complicated but connected to this idea of being feminine mm-hmm. and too feminine to have like something with a woman and stuff. Yeah, I think like it's interesting how a lot of people are kind of, um, you know, I feel like there's a lot of hate towards bisexuals and being like, oh my god, there's so many people who are like identifies bisexuals now because, you know, it's just like 
you know, they think like it's just like straight people who want to be more inclusive and they just, you know, go by bisexual. And, you know, I kind of understand that point because I struggled with not feeling like bisexual enough in a way for a really long time because, you know, I, I realized that I was bi when I was 16 and before that I actually kind of had no idea, you know, bisexuality existed. I just kind of always felt the same way about everybody but since we grow up in like such a straight world where you know ever since you are a little girl parents will always ask you about boys they will never ask you about girls if you're a girl you know it's you grow up and you are just like manufactured to be straight and you know it's in those like later years when thanks to like the visibility that lgbtq plus community is getting people oftentimes realize like oh shit like i actually feel this way about other people as well or like i feel this sexual attraction towards this gender too or i feel you know like you finally start to see yourself in this light when you're older and that's why like there's a lot of people who are coming out or like a lot of people are realizing that they are bi or they have pen or whatever they feel like they are it's not something that they just came up with or it's not something that they want to like suddenly be part of the community because you know it's not easy in the community like you are deprived of some rights like you are harassed you are discriminated against it's not like people want to be part of it it's more like you know you kind of kind of realize that you are because the community is there and you know you're learning about it so I think there's this like another added layer to you know hate towards people who are coming out because people think they are coming out just for like attention or whatever but it's really just the fact that we were brought up in this really straight world where ever since you were little everybody just assumed you're straight and it's it's a frustrating thing that just like people who are part of the community have to come out because like why don't straight people have to come out why do we always assume that you're straight until mm. you're not True. I think that kind of ties in to uh, what can you do as, as a person who is not part of the LGBTQ plus community to fight for these people and to implement change. So I want to talk about allyship and I will quickly give you a definition of allyship in general because this applies to a lot of other topics, for example, when it comes to the Black Lives Matter movement, there's like just an example. So allyship is the practice of emphasizing social justice, inclusion and human rights by members of an in-group. So basically an in-group, if I talk about myself, an in-group is the group I belong into to advance the interests of an oppressed or marginalized out-group. So out-group is the group that I'm not part of. I'm not part of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, so therefore it's an out-group. So how to be an ally i have a few points and i think natalie feels like free i'm just doing this from my experience because we shouldn't always rely on people from the community to, to educate us and to do this work so i thought it would be good if i give you maybe some of the points i have and i think that are important first of all speak up of course and speak up when there is certain terminology used um by other people even if you don't know them well i recently had a very long discussion yeah. and fight about that so for example um the word like that's gay or like that's so gay or like that sounds so gay or whatever whatever i feel like there are situations especially for members in the community where the word can use be used in certain ways i think there's a humor that belongs to like the community <laughs> and not outside of the community like I've had a experience where someone used gay in the wrong context and um, 
I think, like, for example, all of these, like, bisexual, gay, lesbian, all of these, like, strictly just describe a sexuality or a gender identity and should not be used for anything else. So be mindful with that, be mindful with your friends. And just because people from the community have stopped calling out people or don't have the energy to call out people every time someone says something like that, it doesn't mean it's okay. So if you, I know a lot of people who have people in their circles who use the words like that, like really, because you have the energy, don't you're not confronted with that like every day and you're not discriminated every day, call the people out. And even if it's a small thing, if it's in a sentence and you like hear it, like I literally, it wasn't my conversation, I literally just heard it, like call it out and it's uncomfortable. But um, if you want to be an ally, you that's part of your work. Like I want to just say like this was, you know, I was there in that moment. <laughs> uh, we all who are in this room right now, we were in the moment. And it was the situation like in the room there were two people who are part of the LGBTQ plus community and neither of us like we talked about it later and neither of us had, you know had the energy at that point to call it out because it's something that's you know so used to and you oftentimes know that it's really you know it takes so much energy from you so we both kind of overlooked it in a way and Miriam really came for the rescue and it, it was it was an interesting night like I, I'm, I'm not gonna go on the whole situation but it's something like you know just because a person of that community sometimes don't call something out doesn't mean that you shouldn't so um, I think second one is be very mindful and uh, critical when it comes to like endorsement of heteronormative culture and behavior so um, kind of um, to explain it, heteronormative is a concept of natural or normal roles that differentiates people in two complementary genders, the man and the, uh, the woman, and holds heterosexuality as the normal sexual orientation. So I think where that kind of ties into, um, especially I think with educators and teachers, because I've been working with kids the past few months with young people, and I've really been trying to when you ask people even though like probably none of these people are out because at this age it's very difficult like ask is there a person like ideal would be to just ask like partner person use these terms don't use like even like sometimes to me it happens that i'm like girlfriend or boyfriend i give the two options but i mean there are more options so i think be very mindful with your language and i mean we all grew up with these internalized uh, stereotypes but um and sometimes it can feel weird to be the only one to use it like that and you kind of feel like okay maybe like they're not gonna take me seriously or feel like i'm like overdoing it or anything but like really be mindful with the language you use um don't assume don't assume everyone is heterosexual don't assume just someone fits into a certain idea you have someone is not heterosexual like i think it's not very relevant what sexuality um your uh the person with you has as long as they don't want to out themselves mm -hmm. or whatever so i think that is one and then it also ties into like heterosexism is the assumption that all people are or should be heterosexual which excludes the needs concerns and life experiences of lgbtq uh, plus individuals so i think this also ties into like um i think we always need to be aware that being um, homophobic or saying something against the community is not always like you you gay that's bad it's also these microaggressions that uh, people of the community 
um, experience every day. So that, for example, like I think that is so important because I've been someone who's perpetuated that in the past and there's a lot of reflection that needs to be done. Even by people who think they're pro the community is like the stereotypes. I think as a gay man or like as a part of the community, there are certain stereotypes that you can maybe use to make jokes or make fun of or you can like be like... Like there are a lot of like people who joke about like musicals being like a gay thing and whatever, but these are people of the community. But for you as a heterosexual person, privileged person, this is not this is not like the time for you to assume things and to kind of put people into categories. So even though it's like a funny thing and you hear it from people from the community, this is not the time for you to use that as like part of your joke or your assumption. I think you can kind of this this might not be the best comparison, but uh, you know, in the community, sometimes people will, you know, use some of those like real stereotypical things, or maybe use even like the words as you know the f word. I don't want to say it because you know I just don't feel really comfortable. But you know, it's kind of as if uh, in the black community, people sometimes use the n word amongst themselves. It's kind of like taking power back from something that used to, you know, take power away from you. So that's why like in the community sometimes you know people joke around about those things but it's the same thing as with the n-word it just stays within the community i think that's the easiest way to kind of understand why sometimes you shouldn't joke about some things or use certain words because sometimes even for example queer it's an umbrella term but some people still don't really feel that comfortable with it so you know just don't throw everything around as without thinking about it first I think like what ties like into my point before is I myself have in my past and I will do these things again properly um, like played into these stereotypes and these things so when someone calls you out especially when someone who's part of the community calls you out you listen like even you think you can think you're the best ally in the world and you, you, you think you love all of these people so much, you still will do wrong and you will still play into it. So when these people tell you this is offensive, don't say that. Don't try to argue like with, I have, like I've heard I people. I have friends. <laughs> I have friends who are gay, so I'm not homophobic. Like that's literally something yeah. I've heard recently. Yeah. So you just listen yeah. and you take it and you reflect and you don't rely on other people to like make you feel good but about yourself. But the thing yourself. is, you know, like I... You know, I am part of the community, but I still, like, you know, I grew up in a really, like, straight family that has really, you know, not the right values. So, you know, even I sometimes, like, assume things that I shouldn't. And, you know, we all learn, like, even people in the community learn. But then, like, the jokes kind of stay within the community after we learn about them. So... I think something that also happens a lot is like feeling like you have the right to invade a queer or like a trans person's sexual and bodily uh, privacy. So that for once is like with people who are trans to ask them for like their dead name. The dead name is basically the name they were given that was not their real name they felt comfortable with. Um, like all of these things are to ask like what did you look like? Um, show me pictures or something just because someone doesn't fit in you into your like cis heteronormative norm you don't have more right to know about them that that's a very private part that they don't owe you and also when it comes to their sex life or like sexual preferences I think it's kind of tied to this like making it exotic especially for example lesbian women or bisexual women and kind of this 
abnormality, but this hypersexual abnormality that is connected um, to the LGBTQ plus community, that people feel like they have the right to invade their space like that. So I think it's very important, like, and like you do not need to know about a gay man's like sexual preference, you know, about their favorite position, you don't have a right to that. And no one does. I thought that is a point that like happens a lot. And that ties into like no one needs to prove their sexual orientation to you. Even if you are a bisexual woman, for example, and you're 40 and you've only ever dated men in your life, that doesn't take away from the, the your sexuality. And like, so what I'm saying is like as a person who's not that person, you don't have a right to like make her feel or the person invalidated or like you don't, you can't, you shouldn't, you... Like, not allowed to demand proof. Like, just so you know, bisexual people are already, like, struggling with this themselves, so if you're gonna put it on <laughs> them even, like, harder, it's just, you know, like, I, you know, I sometimes, you know, I, we said so many times, like, the community, the LGBTQ plus community, and, you know, obviously, like, I belong in the community, but I still don't feel valid enough, because, you know, as a bisexual, even though, like, I had feelings for a girl, but still you feel kind of not valid enough because I haven't had like a long-term relationship but then again I just had like one long-term relationship in my life but like you know those people already feel invalidated enough Mm. (laughs) so don't put it on them even like Mm. harder because you know they are already questioning like oh my gosh am I like you know part of the community you are Mm -hmm. but if you're gonna be straight and you're gonna be even more like pushing it on them it gets really hard and you're questioning yourself a lot so. Exactly, and even if you're an ally and you want to be more educated, that's not the place to go to. That's not a zoo animal that you can like observe and yeah. shit that owes you any explanation. So, I think that's very important. Um, then um, stand up. Like, I don't know how often that happens to people, but when someone is dead named or misgendered, like, don't just overlook it because it happens in a moment that's very, very monumental to say something in these times and to stand up for these people because they do not only struggle with like the shame I think that comes with but also with the fear that comes with it so you having the privilege like really really use it and that also like ties into normalize uh, asking people for their pronouns normalize being in a group way for example know someone that is part of the community or that does is not cisgender normalize like making it a thing because you have the power to do that and you have um, you have the privilege to do that. So, like, like an example, if you know a person who is not cisgender and then maybe struggles with being misgendered, and you are in a group and or maybe a new WhatsApp group, a new class, ask everyone to be like, hey, shouldn't we all put our pronouns next to our name, or shouldn't we all just send our pronouns into the group? I think that's a very practical example that I actually know that, like from a story with my sister that is so so important because it's a small thing for you and it's not gonna harm you you even fit the like the norm probably but i know for example in that situation the person was so 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 grateful it kind of it valids you in that point if somebody thinks about you in that way you know exactly and then i have two more left there are a thousand more things you can do <laughs> feel free to add on but um one i already mentioned don't rely on people from the community to educate you even if you're like trying to be that like that ties into like all parts of uh, all aspects of allyship that also ties into like the if you try to be an ally to the black community don't rely on the trauma of these people and the experience of these people to to educate you there's google i'm promising you you'll find everything you need to know like literally everything like there's there's enough resources and you just have to like 
it takes and also books but if you rely on google go on google it's yeah. a little bit easier <laughs> there are some good um sources don't never rely on only one but yeah there's these people shouldn't be your only source or shouldn't be your source and um last one is when it comes to because we know with pride month capitalism is doing the <laughs> most and you'll find everything with a rainbow flag on there if you really want to support the lgbtq plus community don't buy this shit because this is literally not ethically made yeah. it's morally not correct because these communities still discriminate like support independent small lgbtq plus artists um you'll do so much more for the Absolutely. community than anything else yeah. And yeah, I think from my part, um, that is my advice to my fellow allies and the ones who want to be. And yeah, I will quickly shout out a few important names from the history and then we will wrap it up. But just quickly, Michael Dillon was the first trans man to uh, undergo surgery and then he became a doctor, you know, became this really successful man. But once it was discovered that he underwent, you know, the surgery suddenly he was discredited and everything but he you know was a really big activist who fought for trans rights then another icon virginia wolf you know you probably maybe didn't learn that in school you might have been told that she was a feminist but she was also like a raging bisexual and she had some interesting affairs so love that for our girl then another bisexual icon frida kahlo she was married but again she had way too many affairs with women to for us to assume that she was straight. <laughs> and another, maybe bisexual icon, maybe lesbian icon, just on the spectrum, Queen Eleanor Roosevelt. This girl, there is 4,000 letters to prove that she had an affair with author Lorianne Hickok. And you see, that's something, again, you're probably never gonna hear in like a history class, but Eleanor Roosevelt, Girl was wild. And then also Bayard Rustin was an advisor to Martin Luther King Jr. who organized of the like 1963 March on Washington. Again, a gay icon who wasn't really able to, you know, come out that much because it would undermine the whole fight. And Simon and Coley, I hope that I pronounced that right, but it's a icon of the gay and lesbian struggles in South Africa. He fought a lot there and I wanted to mention him because South Africa is one of the countries where gay marriage is legal. So Simon Nkoli, one of the important people who, you know, fought for that and also fought for the HIV crisis. So yeah, those are just some icons that I thought you should know about. And I will quickly add on to uh -huh. this because a person who does amazing, amazing work in general, but also on Instagram is Alok We Menon. Maybe we can shout it out like on uh, on our Instagram, but they they identify as um, trans, so they do a lot of interesting posts on black trans leaders from history, like the whole history of LGBTQ plus community and everything. And it's very, very enlightening and very, very amazing. And I think. It would be interesting to take a look at that. Yeah. Oh yeah, I just, you know, I wanted to shout out just a few historical figures, but there is so many more. So, you know, educate yourself, people. And also, if you have some, like, homophobic friends, invite them for a movie night and play Brokeback Mountain. And if they are not gonna cry after the movie, they might not be homophobic, they might just be a sociopath. Because there is no way that somebody cannot feel heartbroken after watching that movie so 
maybe your friend isn't homophobic. It's just a sociopath. Yes, and I think we can wrap it up here. The question. The question. Nagoro's turn to speak. <laughs> okay, so um, here's my voice again. <laughs> <laughs> For the last question of the episode, uh, my question is, if you could exchange life with someone else for like one day who would it be this is one of the questions where you don't want to give a wrong answer because at 12 at night you will realize no this i should have said this person then you regret it even though it doesn't matter i would uh go for jungkook (laughs) 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 just because first of all i would figure out if taekook is real and if it's real i would very much enjoy day (laughs) <laughs> and if Taekook is not real, I could still enjoy Jimin. And, you know, I would know all of the behind-the-scenes drama. So, yeah, I'm, I'm exchanging my life with Jungkook for a day. Jungkook is part of the K-pop group BTS for everyone who didn't know. Let's just keep it a secret that we are <laughs> BTS stands, though, because I'm very much ashamed. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> what about you guys? I can't give you a specific person. I think either like a person who's really, really fucking funny. I don't know, just to like, first of all, steal one of the like some of the jokes. Say or like a person who's like crazy rich, just to see like. Oh shit! Yeah, that would be fun. How the life? Yeah. Wait, Jungkook is really rich. So So, uh, I would say a really, really rich, funny person. Um, you know, you got have to know your enemy. For the revolution. Oh, true. <laughs> Eat the rich. But first become them for a day. <laughs> a day. No, I can't give you a specific person. It would stress me out too much. Mm. I wasn't thinking of a person either. I was thinking probably like a retired person <laughs> living in their farm or something. <laughs> in their little house in the mountains. By myself. <laughs> Which is, yeah, my personality is showing there. <laughs> Maybe if I can't change my life by one day, maybe it can be Julian Guita. That is a politician, one of the few uh, well nice politicians that we have in Spain. And died the, the last year. Um, and life with 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 their mind, with their with his with his mind, his brain, and his his principles uh, every time coherent. Thank you very much for your answers. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you for your voice for a few seconds. You're welcome. <laughs> very pleasant. But happy pride. Let's yeah. love each other regardless of our differences. Happy fucking pride. I think that's it. Yeah. We love you guys. Thank you for listening. And, and bye. Bye. bye.